true strength is of the mind, not the body. Anaya, elder warrior and healer of the Lightning Tribe. When I opened my eyes, Naoi was right up in my face, eyes more anxious than I could ever remember seeing them. Took a second. Even though I was obviously conscious in that moment, my mind was still caught up in the dream I'd just had. The one that centered on the woman with the beautiful smile and the blazing hair as she casually picked fireballs from those braids and dropped them to the ground. Noria, Noria. It wasn't a name I heard with my ears, but one that seemed to bubble up in my mind, if that makes sense. And each time a fireball dropped, it was like I could feel the planet crying out in pain. I can't remember how many times I'd heard some commercial on TV talking about how the earth was alive, but you know, I never got it until the moment I felt the cries coming from that planet. The one that revolved around the star that Seth got his power from. I'd somehow connected with it, I think. Or should I say the shadow armor did. It could do so many amazing things. Things I had yet to discover. Saved my life and the life of my father saved those folks on that plane that had gone into the ocean. But there were times, like seeing that woman with the blazing hair, Noria. Was that, was that really her name? Anyway, there were times I wished I, it didn't have the armor, or at least that it didn't pick up on things like that. Now he laid back down again, and the flicker of that usual fire that burned behind her eyes was, well, it was extinguished. I could barely hear her say, yeah, just a dream, and she closed her eyes. In the coming days, I found myself in a very awkward position. Now we seem to have given up. The discovery that her weapon, Aja, was somehow being tracked and controlled by Jima had broken something inside her, and in order to stop the destruction of that planet, I had to figure out how to reignite the thing that made Naui. Naui. I tried talking to her, of course, telling her how much the world needed her, how much I needed her. And when I'd say this, I'd look in her eyes and I saw absolutely nothing. Like, my Naui simply wasn't there. And at school, she literally wasn't. After Abernathy's class, she'd disappear. No idea where she went. Then, one sleepless night at around two o'clock in the morning, I heard a noise outside my window and looked out. Nawi had been coming in later and later, so I figured it was her, but when I looked out, I saw something I'd never seen before. My sister was actually climbing up to my window like a normal human. I saw her fingertips first, then I stepped out onto the roof to help her up. 
It was really, really weird to see this. About as strange as it would be to see somebody jump 15 to 20 feet into the air that didn't have any powers. Once we settled into my room, she sat down just staring at the floor for a while in complete silence. Then, to my surprise, she pulled out Aja. The last time she mentioned her weapon, she'd said that she was no longer carrying it. But that night, she was. Then she held it up and said, Awake. For the first time, at least in my memory, nothing happened. I couldn't believe it. Then she said it again and again and again, her voice diminishing with each failed attempt. Aja never woke up. She just laid there in the palm of Naui's hand, a twig without even an inkling of a spark. Then, in a quiet voice that cracked and strained, Naui said, My power, it's gone. And she laid down without another word and shut her eyes. I laid there quietly watching her. As I previously said, I always had a sense when it was best to leave Naui alone, and this was another one of those times. The next morning, she was gone before I woke up, and in that moment, I realized that things were beyond desperate. It was just a matter of time before the soldier with the burning hair blew up the planet. Of course, I didn't know exactly how long we had, and that made it even worse. But I figured the planet was still around, because if it suddenly wasn't, I would have picked up on it. But I also knew. I knew that there wasn't much time, so I did something that, for me, at the time, felt completely wrong. On a miserable spring day, during one of the most powerful storms of the year, I sat down at a picnic table with O at lunch to talk about everything. The whole time I couldn't help thinking about how it felt like I was going behind Naui's back. Me and Naui, we'd always been able to work things out on our own, but this, it was different. We sat there for a few moments, awkwardly eating in the pouring rain without cover wasn't really sure why we were doing it like this. I mean, it did give us privacy because everybody else had the common sense to seek shelter, but I think it was more than that. At least for me, anyway. Because underneath the relentless storm, I felt relief, as if some fire that had been raging out of control inside of me was being put out. After I told O what Naui said about losing her powers, he shook his head. She hasn't lost anything, he said, his mouth full of chicken salad delight. That particular dish was just one of the reasons why I packed my own lunch and refused to eat cafeteria food. I tasted it once and it was anything but delightful. Cause see... I've had times like that, O whispered, his grubby baseball cap soaked through and dripping. 
He shut his eyes at first, just sitting there as if suddenly in a meditative state. Then he opened them and stared off. It was one of the few times I'd seen what I thought was pain behind those calm eyes. Then he told me that a while back, his dad had stopped coming around as much, and at first he acted like he didn't care, like it wasn't messing with him. But all that was doing was making it worse, and the anger just kept building. Clogging up my insides, he said. Then one night, when he tried to go out for a quick flight, his shadow armor didn't work. He tried over and over again, concentrated until his head hurt, but it didn't matter. It had just stopped working. He closed his eyes again, then opened them. It was strange. What was he doing? I wondered if he was tired. But then he went on. This kept happening for weeks with the armor, he said, and O was sure at one point that he'd lost his powers. But then one day, he got into this big argument with his dad. Can't imagine yelling at the god of the underworld, but apparently that's exactly what he did. Told him he didn't care if he ever saw him again, because the god never really cared about him anyway. All the pain poured out of him in that moment, drenching Osiris to the bone, or whatever it was that gods had underneath their skin. And O's father, well, to his credit, he just listened, and after O was done, took his hand, paused, then looked into his son's eyes and said he was sorry. It was so simple, O said, but it was like somebody had taken an entire planet off his chest. Right after that, his powers came back strong as ever. O believed that the same thing was happening to Naui. Of course, she'd already worked things out with her mother, Wusa, but O wasn't talking about Naui's mom. He was talking about Jima. Now we could pretend like she didn't care when Jima ignored her or told her that she wasn't strong or fast enough to be a warrior in the tribe, but it mattered. Other than her teacher, Jima had been the closest thing to a parent that Nawi had. And you know, I could see it on her face after every argument with Jima. She cared even if she was too stubborn to admit it. The anger, the hurt, it just kept building up inside her. So the question, how were we going to snap her out of it? O closed his eyes for the third time, and I finally asked if he needed to take a nap or something. Then he opened his eyes and looked at his watch, said, we had about 25 minutes before lunch was over. And? I had no idea why he was pointing this out to me, but then he said we had enough time for a quick field trip. O stood up and looked around. A couple of girls ran past using books like umbrellas against the storm. They giggled as they passed, smiling toward O. 
so annoying. Once they were gone, he looked up and the shadow armor formed around him. He rose into the air in that moment and said, Come on. I took a quick look around before summoning my own shadow armor. Then I soared into the gray skies after him. Had he found Seth? He said that he'd been searching for him. Was that why he kept shutting his eyes? But then I thought, there's no way he's that stupid. I personally wasn't going to go anywhere near Seth without Nawi. Thankfully, he wasn't stupid. <laughs> he said he'd actually been tracking Anaya, the elder warrior. Anaya? Did he honestly think that she'd be able to help Nawi? I mean, the fact that she was an elder warrior like Jima was cool, but somebody like Nawi's teacher probably would have been a better choice. When I pointed this out to O, he said this wasn't about Nawi. This was about something else. But Anaya might just be able to help us with Nawi's situation. Well, O's connection to his father meant that he was known by the tribe, and maybe, well, he'd never said anything about it before, but maybe he knew Anaya through his father or something. We dove back through the clouds, and within a few seconds, we were gliding above the tips of the biggest, most ancient trees I'd ever seen. As we landed, the memory of this place had swept back into my mind the moment my feet touched solid ground. Mom and Dad had taken me there when I was mm, maybe five or six years old, I think. It was a redwood forest near San Francisco, and in that moment, the air around us was saturated with a thick mist. I looked up and took in the enormous forms around me. To me, they looked as tall as skyscrapers and gave me this feeling. It was hard to describe, really, like a sacred silence that emanated from them and spoke to some part of me. It was, well, very calming. O was looking around as well, but he didn't seem to be focused on the trees. His eyes locked onto something in the distance, and he raised his hand. What appeared to be a dark sphere emerged from the mist and settled into the palm of his hand. There was still a lot I had to learn about the shadow armor, and apparently this device, which O explained was a kind of tracker, was one of those things. It had seemed, up to that moment, that we were alone, that there was no one else in the forest. But then he pointed to a figure standing near a redwood tree in the distance. The figure was resting a hand against its trunk. It was Anaya, and I was immediately nervous. I didn't know about O, but I'd never, ever approached a member of the tribe without Nawi at my side. How was she going to react? Well, I thought, it wouldn't be anywhere near as bad as meeting Jima. I'll never forget the night that Naoi rescued me from that cougar and Jima basically told me to keep my mouth shut about it. I'd never been so scared. 
This meeting was hopefully going to be different, I thought. Of course, it wasn't helping not to know exactly why O was approaching Anaya in the first place. We moved closer, careful to stay behind the trees and fully immersed in our armor. At one point, I was clearly able to see her face. Her eyes were shut and her hand was still resting on the tree. I had the sense that O was trying to work up the courage to approach her. My first thought was that we should probably keep our distance until she opened her eyes. Who he didn't want to scare her. <laughs> and suddenly she spoke and I almost jumped out of my skin. Yeah, it scared me pretty bad. She said that she'd known Osiris, O's father, since before these ancient ones had taken this form. She gently caressed the tree's trunk and, in the blink of an eye, was standing a few feet away from us, taking us both in. I always talked about how fast Naui could move, but Anaya, it was like watching a video that had skipped a frame. It was that fast. Did you know that, son of Osiris? She asked, smiling pleasantly. That trees once possessed another form? They were made out of fire that came from the stars and spun like cyclones. Then her expression changed, and it scared me far worse than Jima. She said, I know You've been watching me, son of Osiris. I've known since the beginning, but one of my worst flaws happens to be curiosity. So, you have my attention, but be warned. Do not mistake my current work as a healer as a sign of weakness. And I realized in that moment that this woman was far more powerful than Jima, though I wasn't sure why. O said he came to save her life, her and Jima. Then it all made sense. Jima and Anaya were the ones that took Seth down the first time, and they used that weapon. If the weapon was going to be used again, it seemed obvious to me that Jima and Anaya would be the ones going back to the planet to use it. So, not only was Seth looking to blow the planet up, he was also looking to get revenge on the two warriors that captured him. O laid it all out to Anaya, and she listened. Something that Jima definitely wouldn't have done, and I guess that was probably one of the biggest differences between them. After standing there for a while, taking it in, that pleasant smile returned, and... Well, I felt relieved. Anaya said she was quite familiar with Nuria, but the soldier's plan wasn't to blow up the planet. Me and O just looked at each other. We'd both felt the planet's fear. But fear, even when a planet is concerned, doesn't always necessarily reflect reality. Anaya told us to shut our eyes, and she put her hands on both our heads. Suddenly, we were seeing Nuria, her hair ablaze, just as we'd seen her before in dreams. 
I heard Anaya's voice in my head, and it gently told me to concentrate. At one point, my POV seemed to zoom in on her hair, and those balls of flame actually looked like miniature suns. Anaya explained that these were pieces of Seth's star, and they weren't meant to blow up the planet. They were meant to pull it closer to his sun. Me and O opened our eyes at the same time. This would still destroy the planet, of course, but it would be gradual, not instant. And for Seth, this was personal, so it made sense. Anaya was so casual when she said all this, so matter-of-fact. Then again, I thought she'd probably seen a lot worse. Anaya looked at both of us and said that she and Jima were leaving that night. So, you know it's a trap and you're going anyway, I asked. I'll admit that I was pretty shaken up at this point, thinking about what could happen. Yes, she said, and started to walk away. O called to her and she paused. Without turning around, she said that she was very aware of Naui's problem. It wasn't fair. Jima was wrong, but it was something that needed to be worked out between them. And she vanished. We arrived back at school literally a minute before class, but didn't see Naui for the rest of the day. In flight, as we soared over the storm, we came to the conclusion that we needed to find a way to help Jima and Anaya on the planet. Yes, they were elder warriors, and obviously they could take care of themselves, but there was more to this than even they realized. We could both sense that. O had decided to take a quick trip into the underworld to see about getting his hands on those tools that he'd talked about earlier. The ones his father had that might help us get to the planet faster. And in regards to Naui, well, he said we had to be in the moment. And in the moment, the most important thing was helping Jima and Anaya. That night, I sat in my room on the bed, waiting for O in my shadow armor, ready to go. He swooped in at around midnight, and at his side was... Nowie. I took her in and even gave her a hug. Her eyes were bloodshot and she looked like she could fall asleep at any moment. It was good to see her, but at the same time, well, it, it, it wasn't. Because one of us was going to have to tell her that she wasn't coming to the planet and it wasn't going to be me. I asked O if he'd gotten what he needed from the underworld and he said, nope. Then he smiled at Naui. He said he didn't need any of that stuff. Then Naui said she'd found a way to the planet, but we needed to go right now. Then she took O's hand and they both flew through the window. I followed. Within a few seconds, we were standing at the basement door where her mother's golden light was pulsating. I hadn't actually been inside Naui's house since Wusa returned us from our trip through time, and it looked 
like it had never been damaged at all. Whoever had fixed it had done quite an amazing job. Wusa's light, visible underneath the door, had stopped pulsating. Its glow was steady, and Naui said, huh, we could open the door. I looked at her and said, really? She nodded. She'd spoken to Wusa after all the drama with Jima, something she didn't even realize she could do. At one point, she felt like she needed to talk to her mother, but she wasn't sure how. Speaking to her mother in human form was one thing, but speaking to her in her purest form, like pure energy, that was something completely different. She decided to try and do what Jima always did, laying her hand against the basement door. To her surprise, she could hear her mother's voice. She told her what had happened, and Wusa said that unfortunately, she couldn't help her get her power back, but she could help us to get to the planet. Naui opened the basement door, and we saw a swirling tunnel of golden light. She took both our hands, and O paused. He said that maybe she should stay back, and Naui giggled. <laughs> Something she rarely did. Then she gave him that look. The one that always made me feel about an inch tall. O wisely backed off and turned toward the tunnel. Then the three of us stepped in. It was like being swept by a tidal wave of energy, and within the blink of an eye, we were standing at the entrance to that pyramid on the planet. But something was wrong. First, everything was on fire, including the pyramid, the ground, and even the water trees surrounding us. The little beings that lived inside them were running away from the trees. There were hundreds of them, maybe thousands. Then O said, look out, as a fireball sailed past over our heads and struck the pyramid. O scooped me and Naui into his arms and flew us away just as it exploded. We were laid out on the ground, fiery debris falling all around us, and I realized... The only weapon that could take Seth's power away had been destroyed. I felt something above my head, heat coming down. I looked up and saw another fireball headed right for us. A split second later, a figure leaped high into the air and shattered the fireball with a swing of her walking stick. It was Jima, and she landed a few feet away. Despite the chaos, she calmly asked Naui what she was doing there. But Naui didn't respond, as she was too focused on the woman with the blazing hair standing just a few feet away, fireballs hovering over both her open palms. She was as beautiful as she looked in my dreams. She smiled and glanced toward the sun, which filled every inch of the sky. We only had seconds before we were devoured by the god's star. Seconds. And the heat, well, if we hadn't been shielded by the shadow armor, I doubt that we would have survived. 
I felt a hand on my shoulder in that moment. It was Anaya. The first time I'd noticed her on the planet, actually. She was standing with us. And we were all standing together. And as the flames around the planet spread and grew as tall as those giant redwood trees from the forest, I saw Naui and Jima look each other in the eye. For the first time in my memory, Jima hugged her and whispered something into her ear. I didn't need to hear it to know what she'd said. And Naui, she didn't do tears, but that day she did. Tears poured down her cheeks. I noted in that moment that her eyes were glowing and the sun's powerful light quickly began to fade. It was like some kind of an eclipse. I looked up to see what was happening and I saw a sphere of darkness suddenly encircling the star. Despite this, I could still feel its warmth, which meant that the planet wasn't going to die and neither were those little beings, thank goodness. Anaya and Jima looked up as well. They were simply speechless. My first thought, Seth is vulnerable. She'd done it. My Naui did it. She stumbled, and I caught her. Then she looked around. Where was O? He'd vanished, and so had Noria. On February 18th, the search for O begins. And coming soon, Storyville. Stay tuned.